Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Don't Give Up Skeleton. I'm your host, Jeremy Greer. This week's guest is Yoda9. Yoda is a friend of Therese, who is uh, back on episode 87, I believe. It's in the show notes. Go look at those. Um, He's an Italian guy that has uh, a lot of experience with the Souls games, so it's always interesting to get a perspective on the Souls games. It's not just focused on the Western culture. It's also kind of branched out into the European culture as well. Uh, We have a delightful conversation. We go all over the map on this one, so uh, just listen and enjoy. Yeah, actually, play, I actually played play Bloodborne uh, roughly uh, one year and a couple months ago, so around the March of last year. And we've, I've been playing with her since a month or two. Though so lately we've not been playing much as, as she's been around and doing work. But I, I think I have, I have her quite a lot to become better. She did have quite some troubles in Bloodborne, especially against Glasgow and after all. Yeah, yeah. It's a pretty the the combat system is a pretty large departure from the uh the, the their original games from Dark Souls 1 or 2. It's a lot more faster paced, mm-hmm. I find. Yeah, uh in fact, uh, when I played this this one, uh, even the remaster, I really found myself to be um, out of place in that game. Uh, I mean, I have to be honest and I quit Dark Souls 1 quite early. I mean, not quite early, but I never fought neither Artorias nor Gwyn. I mean, I did fight them, but gave up. That's it. <laughs> it, just, it, it wasn't a game for me. I still don't know. I mean, I can see why it's appreciated. The world design and everything is fantastic, but for me personally, that was the only good thing in Dark Souls 1. Maybe the OST, the soundtrack. But the gameplay really was so much different from Bloodborne and Dark Souls 3 that I really couldn't uh, play it well, and eventually it bored me to death. So I just quit it. Though I did play at least until the ending, so mm-hmm. yeah. You got most of the way through it. Like, if you got to Artorias and to Gwen, like, there's yeah, not, yeah. There's not, there's uh, not the much thing, left. So Yeah, the only thing I missed uh, in the base game was uh, Priscilla. And that aside, I did, I did everything. When did you play Dark Souls 1? Was that before you played Bloodborne for the first time or, or after? Uh, no, I played in this order Bloodborne, Dark Souls 3, and then Dark Souls 1 on PC. Okay. Because Bloodborne and DS3 on uh, PlayStation 4. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What, why did you start playing Bloodborne? Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Um, I started playing, playing Bloodborne because, well, when I bought the PS, PS4, I didn't have many games. However, however my brother bought uh, Bloodborne and... As I wanted to play with my friends, along with a girl alike, well, they all had uh, Bloodborne, so I chose, well, I mean, I've ordered the series till now, but I don't have much else, so let's try it out. Maybe it's better, and I'm hitting it just because of the community. <laughs> and that was the case. That was really the case. I mean, the, the Italian community is uh, quite obsessive, in a different way from, uh, from the international community, but it's quite obsessive about uh, Dark Souls. And they will only talk about it from day and night, so it kind of put me off at the start. At, at the start, but I agree, I agree on it. So yeah. Was that mostly just like when you say the online community? Were you looking at like forums or like game facts or? Uh, no, it's mostly people that just happen to talk with you. Like uh, if I were in a forum with a friend, 
I mean, uh, I'm not sure if I told you, but um, a forum that makes a translation of manga and stuff like that. Anyway, okay. When we were talking about games, the uh, Dark Souls will always will always pop up. When when I was in another forum with another friend, same. Dark Souls will always pop up on Facebook. Dark Souls will always <laughs> pop up, and and always and, and there was always uh, the certain YouTuber I told I mentioned, uh, Sabako no Maiko, which is a famous YouTuber in Italy, that popped up. Continuously, it was obsessive. Like the way people uh, are obsessed in uh, the international community about get good and uh, raising the sun, it was about this YouTuber. Now he's a great YouTuber, but it was so much. Ob- it, it was unbearable for someone who was not a fan of the series. That's why I watched it. But as I said, it, it had good reasons to be that popular. So as I said, I grew up on it. Sure. Yeah, it's interesting how because because of the uh, the way that Dark Souls has been developed over the years, it's it's it has that whole cottage industry of a, a bunch of YouTubers and podcasts and streamers that kind of grew up around Dark Souls. Like that, that's kind of where everybody, all of those people that are doing those things, were creating that content. Like so, like kind of came to the came to be popular. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's I've, I've not heard people say like look at that and say like oh man that's too much like this is too much for a game series I don't really <laughs> care about so it's interesting that that had the opposite effect on you. Yeah, I mean, I guess I'm kind of a weird case as I'm. I mean, most people will um, usually gravitate towards what is more, um, let's say, popular. But in my case, I found myself to be quite actively, although not really consciously. Um, how do we, how was what's the word uh, for this? Um, not really opposed, but something like that. Opposed to something that, that mm-hmm. is really popular. Like everything they like is not at all popular. Prog rock, uh, most kind of manga and anime, everything. So seeing these um, these fan base of Dark Souls, I just felt re- repulsive towards it, but mm-hmm. not in such a bad way. I mean, the people were still fine after all, and that's why I said that I started to appreciate the game and the fun. So, yeah. Do you remember what it was like playing Bloodborne for the first time and kind of uh, uh, coming to terms well, with the combat system? Uh, at the start, I played exclusively with friends up to... I think up to Amelia, I played exclusively with friends after that, I played a bit alone until uh, Logarius, and uh, then after that, again with friends. Um, I don't remember much of the time I played with my friends at the start, but I clearly, and I mean seriously clearly, remember when I, when I, beat, when I beat both uh, the Shadows of Yarnam and uh, Logarius, and, oh, and also the very, very start before I played with my friends. It was really scary. I mean, it wasn't scary much because of the actual scariness part, aside from Yargul, like the pre, pre-Blood blood Moon Yargul. Mm-hmm. Aside from that, it was more of a, a fear of, like, I know this game is hard, so, well, I, I mean, it's hard. I'm not sure if I can beat, beat everyone. So it was, I was just scared to die. And then later on, uh, slowly with, with, with uh, the help of friends and by learning the game, I started overcoming this fear, especially in Yargul, which I still find my, my, second, my second favorite area in the game, but also one of my favorite areas in gaming at all. Like, only, only Arsenal gear from Metal Gear Solid 2, Metal Gear Solid 2 I find uh, better. Anyway, uh, sorry, a bit of digressing. Uh, I meant, 
after overcoming this fear, I finally beat uh, those parts alone. And when I got to Logaris, I got what most people get while playing in Dark Souls 1 with um, what are they call, uh, Smog and Ornstein, which is uh, what I call a, like a Souls Enlightenment. Uh, I'm not sure if you understand. Mm-hmm. Like learning how the, the game actually plays out, what to do, and how to act against a boss that you don't know, all those things. Like 20 tries, never used the parry. I said, hmm, let me do something. Let me try to see what, what his moves are before, like, for three, three, four minutes, and then let me parry. Two try, used only three by us. It was, yeah, as I said, quite enlightening. And I still mm-hmm. have, I, I also have the video of that uh, battle on my YouTube channel, so maybe I'll link that later. Okay, yeah. I'll, uh, I'll, I'll remember to ask you and, uh, at, and then throw it in the show notes mm-hmm. for you. I'm, uh, I'm curious, you said that Yargul was maybe one of your favorite levels of, across all video games is that mm-hmm. the the pre blood moon yeah the pre blood moons the pre rom section because uh mm-hmm. post rom is is kind of a shit show in my opinion to be honest with you it's, yeah it, it's quite a, i mean it's not that bad i mean i think the nightmare is worse in I mean, at least yeah both nightmares mm-hmm. are worse than uh, post blood moon yargul but yeah it's pretty bad bo- uh, after you kill rom but before and see uh, yeah, uh, the pre-Blood Moon Yahar girl did something that, as I said, only Metal Gear Solid 2 did, which is to put you in a situation where you don't know what, where you are, where you don't have most of the stuff you're used to having, which in this case will be the lamp and the ability to come back to the dream. And, well, the music is quite unique. If, if I remember, it's the only game, it's the only area in uh, the game with a background music aside from the dream. Mm-hmm. And also, the fact that you get there by being kidnapped, which is, again, the same thing that happened in Metal Gear Solid 2, so I think it's actually more related to, to nostalgia than actually liking it, but, I mean, I just found it really done very, 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 very well, well because it, it shows fear in a way that, doesn't, that is not shown in most games, in most media, and it's really incredible for me. I mean, the other area I prefer is is Kanehurst, but that's a bit unrelated. So yeah, <laughs> yeah, Kanehurst feels like uh, Kanehurst feels like a like a DLC area to me, just because it's so removed yeah. from the main world. Like, I'm glad it wasn't DLC. Don't give, don't let me let me rephrase that. But it definitely feels <laughs> like the um, like the painted world and and Dark Souls One is an area that's you know removed from the game. Uh, just, just yeah. logically removed from the game, but and they yeah, they've always no, said that was a, a Demon Souls area that was transplanted into Dark Souls One, so mm-hmm. that makes more sense for that to be for those to be different. Another dimension, it I should really go back to this one and play that one area. It's it's the only one that I wanted to play. In fact, so yeah, <laughs> it's easy to get to. Like it doesn't take you long to get there. So mm-hmm. um, yeah, maybe maybe when the PC will be a bit more stable. Yeah. Yeah. Know. Were you able to? I know we're bouncing all over the place, but were you able to play the uh, DS1 remastered network test this weekend? This was the. Uh... Uh, yes, a little bit. Mm-hmm. Only a couple minutes, not really much, but I, I, I gotta say, it's, uh, all it did for me was reminding me why I didn't finish the first Dark Soul. It just. I mean, I can see why people appreciate it, but. I, uh, it's like playing the first Kingdom Hearts after you play all of the ones later. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's just 
less, you know? Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. there's, there is more in certain points, like most pe- most weapons that you use in your left hand in Dark Souls 1 have special abilities. In the other games, not. But th- those are sm- small things. When you look at the bigger picture of the, the game, there's not that much more for me to say, yeah, this is better, you know? And also, let's be honest, the four ways rolling is really impossible to see. <laughs> uh, I mean, yeah, it's a uh, you know that's something that I never noticed when I was playing the game until, uh, and I never noticed it all the way up through Dark Souls three until somebody pointed it out, and now I just can't stop noticing it. Like it's one of those things that never really bothered me until somebody told me about it, and I was like, oh yeah, that is a limitation. And then I start seeing exactly how I've been messing up on that game sometimes. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in fact, the moment I noticed it more when when playing the first Dark Souls was against the Gargoyles. It happened something really similar to the Gargoyles. I just keep, kept trying and trying and trying. 20 tries, I think I did. Uh, sometimes with, with Solaire, sometimes not. And then at one, at one point I noticed, hmm, wait a second. The roll, it's weird. So I, I, I turned off the lock-on and I did, I did them. First try. It just... That's what I mean. That's why it's not a game for me. I mean, I can't. See, I mean, it's not bad, but the way I'm used to playing don't doesn't fit with the first Dark Souls. That's the thing. Yeah, because you came from you know Bloodborne and Dark Souls Three, which are you know it happened mm-hmm. uh, like five or six years later. So that they just the advancements and the and the combat mechanics and the combat engine is were pretty significant across those. Like even mm-hmm. even with the weird Dark Souls Two stuff that they they. You know that doesn't feel like it's kind of in the series at all. Like it feels dramatically different. By the time you get to Dark Souls three, everything is so fast and everything is so smooth that going back to Dark Souls one, I can imagine would cause a little friction. Yeah, I mean, if I were to come to to come by the remaster at a cheap price later on, maybe I will try again. But for now, at least until my PC is like this, I don't think I will try. But again, yeah, maybe later on. Yeah, it's a uh, like I went ahead and pre-ordered it, but I've always I've always been a console Dark Souls player. Like I've hardly ever played on PC, so mm-hmm. to me, like it makes a lot of sense for me just to have Dark Souls one on my PS4 at all times. Like I'm just I'll just play that game all the time. <laughs> so, <laughs> and, and I really like the idea of having uh, Dark Souls one, two, three, and Bloodborne all in one machine. Like that's that's really appealing to me. Oh yeah, that reminds me, uh, Dark Souls one is coming out for the, for the Switch as well, right? Yes, it is. They delayed it uh, at the time of this recording. They delayed it to like August 2018, I think. Um, mm, so it's, it's yeah. going to be after the summer. My brother has a Switch, so he will probably buy it. So I think maybe I will try with him. I don't know. Maybe. Yeah, should be fun. <laughs> the, um, the the Switch version, I think the only limitation is that it's, uh, it's at 30 frames per second versus 60, which... Uh, mm. To be honest with you, like playing but, it, playing it sixty, I thought was going to be a big problem on the PS4, but it it felt pretty good. No, like it, I was doing, like I had to adjust my parry timing a little bit. And then once I did that, I was like, mm-hmm. okay, I'm back, I'm back in my old game. I know how to play this. <laughs> yeah, I, that's a problem I've seen. Uh, even uh, as I said, the the YouTuber I mentioned before, uh, Sabaku. Now I'm I'm a pretty good big fan of him as well, and I noticed him too when playing both DS3 and DS2. Uh, when he went on PC, where he could put the frame rate at 60, he too had problems uh, with pairing. Which, I mean, I guess it makes sense, but I'm not really sure as I never tried. Yeah, Dark Souls 1, uh, if you did it through DS Fix, like there were just certain things that you couldn't accomplish. 
like you would glitch out on ladders every once in a while because there were some things that they timed that they tied into the frame rate of the engine. So you could, you could fall through the world if you're sliding down a ladder or there were some jumps that were impossible to make or or really much more difficult to make. So most people, when they had DS fix, they would just have that toggle so they could switch it on and off when they needed to. Mm -hmm. That reminds me though, um, even the base game has quite many glitches. I mean, not just the, the first Dark Soul, even Bloodborne, like, I mean, uh, just the, just these couple of days, I've seen so many glitches in Bloodborne, like, I mean, not many, not much glitches, but bugs, like, the other day, I was playing with a friend, and I went back to my first playthrough, which I did last year, and I just talked to the guy in the chapel, and he started to say, oh, yeah, the, the old lady, she's dead, who killed her, the beast, maybe? And she was alive. <laughs> then I sent her to die with the quest, and he said, "Oh my God, everyone is dead. The beast killed them all." And there was still the old guy alive. And then I think it just became crazy or something. I don't know. It was a bit hilarious. I mean, crazy. <laughs> yeah, it's um, it's, as much as I love these games, it's it's kind of fascinating that they they run it all. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like they, uh, there's always been so many weird glitches and, and problems. Um, you know, we used to, you know, like mm-hmm. the net code for Dark Souls has always been pretty excruciating because it was you know player player, and even now that they've got dedicated servers, which seem more for matchmaking, just like in Dark Souls Three, than for actual like multiplayer usage. Uh, mm-hmm. Like it's still just as like people will seem like they teleport behind you and stab you in the back. <laughs> and yeah, like, like the parries in Bloodborne, like, I will, I will shoot, uh, I will shoot, they will not hit me, then they will shoot me, I avoid like four, four seconds earlier, and after then, four or five seconds, even ten seconds later, a shot kills me. Like, what? Yep. How? <sighs> yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's kind of fascinating. Like, that's why one of, one of the things that I like is about this uh, cut content that, that are coming out is mm-hmm. you kind of get an idea on how much stuff that they, like how really ambitious that they were going to try to be and that they had to scale back from because even like the PS4 couldn't handle, you know, these, these night day cycle things that they, they had built into. I don't remember if it was Dark Souls 3 or PlayStation 4. Oh, yeah, yeah. I think I it remember. was Dark Souls 3. Uh, yeah, but it's 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 really interesting to see. Like, okay, we we can't even handle like we we can't handle that stuff. So let's scale back, scale this way back down, and, and try again. I think I find that stuff kind of fascinating. Yeah, I started to follow those uh, cut content videos. Yeah, there's quite some interesting stuff stuff in there. Even especially, but, but yeah, that's something uh, I remember now. But some things I don't understand why they removed it. Like for example, the upper level of the Yosefka clinic, like. Why? I mean, it's just a couple of the uh, of what are, what are they ba- uh, balconies, and mm-hmm. that's it. Why remove it? I don't know. Maybe I don't think it's performances unless it's the it's viewing the entirety of Yarnam. I, I, I kind of felt sad that it wasn't in the game anyway. Yeah, uh, it's. It's it's always a question, right? Like either was it either it was removed for a technical reason, in other words, it was causing them enough problems that they didn't want to include it, or mm-hmm. it was, you know, there was something that had to be cut, or they did it for because it didn't fit into the story as well as they wanted to, or they wanted to change the story at a later date. So finding those kind of things is always is always kind of interesting because you get you get that yeah. different perspective of like, well, this is what it could have been 
even though I think some people do go a little too far and are like, oh, well, you know, the end boss of this should have been Raiden from MGS2 because we found a model in there. And I'm like, well, okay, I'll calm down. Yeah. <laughs> let's not let's not go crazy. Yeah, no, no, no. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I understand I understand why they may have removed, the, for example, the, the old Yosefka. But as I said, some things I don't really understand, which is which that is the case. I mean, when when you can't explain something by plot, usually it's by performance. But I still find that in some very rare instances to be quite hard to believe, honestly. So I just don't know. So tell me a little bit about Dark Souls Three, because obviously you, you wrapped mm-hmm. up Bloodborne and uh, Dark Souls Three came out the next year. Yeah. Uh, I guess first of all. Uh, I want to find out, like, just from someone who hadn't really played any of the previous games, like, did Dark Souls 3, like, work on a story level for you? Uh, because there was so much stuff that referenced the previous games. Did, did you oh, enjoy it? Mm, well, I have to be honest, and I prefer Bloodborne a lot more. I mean, to be honest, Bloodborne is a lot more in my, let's say, storytelling lines than Dark Souls by by standard. However, however, I'm gonna say uh, Dark Souls 3 worked quite well. Like some things I was able to appreciate, even if I barely knew them. For example, um, Aldrich, I barely knew who who Windrun is. Yet, even by knowing so little of him, I was able to appreciate that fight and really feel quite some anger against uh, Aldrich. However, on the opposite, on the opposite, I never knew the. Um, the song of Win- of Gwyn. So the soul of the soul of Cinder really left me kind of. Eh, I mean, okay, it, it was nice, mm-hmm. but eh, you know, these these are things that usually will uh, appease more to people who, who have played the other games. But eh, I mean, for the for the major part, I think it still worked, just not as well as it could have. Yeah, the uh, don't worry. Even as somebody who knew the music of Gwen and had a lot of affection for that 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 song, uh, it didn't work for me either. So don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, uh, to most people who have played the first Dark Souls, they they say Soul of Cinder really left them with a with a lot, let's say. But I actually didn't, I actually didn't expect to to hear them to hear that said by someone who played the first game. Prior to Dark Souls three, so yeah. But at I, least uh, I know I'm not I'm not the only one. No, no, no. I um I was pretty let down by like I don't I don't like that fight very much mechanically. Um, I mm. by the point that I and this is partly my fault because when Dark Souls three came out, I kind of like I took days off work and I mainlined that game. Like I did hardly anything but play Dark Souls. And uh, mm. by the time I got to the end, I was so tired of bosses that had multiple HP bars or multiple phases that like killing oh, that dude in the middle yeah, and yeah. then watching his health refill. It just made me, it didn't make me like throw my <laughs> controller and anger yeah, or anything. I mean, I, I just, it's just an eye roll inducing kind of like, Oh I mean, I, yeah. Great. Just imagine what you, what you will feel if you, if, uh, how was she called the, the DLC lady? Oh yeah. Uh, it's sister Frida. Yeah. Yeah. Imagine if sister Frida was in the base game. I mean, Oh God. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah. That was, that, I, <laughs> I can see that, uh, being quite, Quite anger-inducing, so mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> what about that game did work for you? Though? What, what do you like about it? About Dark Souls 3? Mm-hmm. Literally everything else. I mean, as I said, the the references to Dark Souls 1 didn't work perfectly, but they still worked, but everything else, oh God. I mean, seriously, I don't think there's one area 
specifically that that I hate. I mean, I got to really think very uh, like like a lot to think about it. Maybe the the lake. How, how is it called in English? The um, our, no, I, the lake where where was the Ash Lake? How it's oh, called? Um. Oh man, it's been so long. Uh, it's not. It's not. It's right before the catacombs, and I can't. The smoldering lake. Yeah, that's what it is. The smoldering lake. lake. Yeah. Maybe mm-hmm. maybe that was the only area that I didn't like, and a bit, a bit of fun. But everything else, good God. I mean, the gameplay, the the areas, the the music, the everything. In fact, I have to say, I I play mostly Bloodborne with other people, but it's usually because of them because I don't think Bloodborne has that much replayability. If it was for me, I, I would play only Dark Souls 3. Like, I got more than six charters, of which three on, on PC, even though they never finished the game because of the PC. But, I mean, you could keep on playing and playing and playing, and just there's just so much things to do, so much uh, builds, ways to play, just things to fuck around with. I mean, like, for example, the, the other day that I... Well, a couple of weeks ago, I played and used uh, just two shields as a weapon, uh, which uh, one which was the um, the big shield. Uh, what was that? Uh, I don't I don't remember which one. But anyway, a, a great shield that can use an ability. And on the other, and the right hand, the parry shield. And I mean, how can you do that with in Bloodborne? You can't. It's just no. <laughs> there's no way. You only I get two shields, that. and yeah, neither one of them yeah, work very I mean, well. So. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, it's not much about the shields. It's, it's about the fact that I can put a second shield on my right hand and then use the ability of the left shield, if I know it, to do whatever I want. That's what I like about Dark Souls compared to Bloodborne. In Bloodborne, you get a weapon, you get a gun, and that's what you have. That's it. You know? I mean, it's just so much more replayability than uh, Bloodborne comparison. Yeah, even just the builds that you can do in, in Dark Souls are much more varied than what you can do in in, in Bloodborne. The uh, you know in Bloodborne you you can do some you have basically four builds that you can really do realistically. Mm-hmm. Like there's strength skill, and then you can mix those with uh, arcane and blood tinge. But you can't really do an arcane or a blood tinge build without having at least some levels in those other stats. Whereas in Dark Souls yeah. three, like you can be a pyro person, you could be a magic person, you could be a luck person, you could be a, a hex person. Like the, and all that you requires kind of different equipment and a different, you know, different knowledge of the game, which I, I find kind of interesting. Yeah, in fact, my my first build was um, if I remember the numbers correct, correct, it was uh, 35, 30, 35, 30, 35. I mean, all like this until uh, until fate, which was 30, 40. And man, I just loved being around, going around in PvP with. Literally everything, pyromancies, magic, mar- miracles, whips, bows, whatever weapon I wanted to use. It it it, it put people like in so, in so much confusion. It was, and not only that. I mean, it was just fun, you know. And you kind of miss that from Dark Souls Three, and wish I could play it uh, with other people more. Yeah. Like I'm usually I'm playing it lately lately with with Terry, but as I said, she's not much around, so. I still play it quite um, not much. But yeah, yeah, it's um like I've, I've I've heard people say that like they haven't um excuse me hmm? that they haven't uh, that they just haven't gone back to Dark Souls three like they they kind of want to and especially with the remaster coming out I think that's going to have mm-hmm. a lot of attention whereas you know Dark Souls three might fall off a, a little bit but yeah you know that game sold something like five or six million copies so I think there's always going to be a little bit of a player base there even if it's not huge like it was at the beginning so. Mm-hmm. 
Did you play through all of the DLCs? Yeah, I played everything. I mean, uh, Dark Souls 3 is the only game that I platinumed, even though I knew I didn't really want to. And it's also the only game in the Soul series in which I got to NG plus 2, which, I mean, it might not seem much, but usually when I play these games, I only do uh, fresh runs because I like the, the feeling of leveling and seeing how the builds evolved rather than just going to Rosaria and changing the stats. And yeah, I played everything. Uh, especially had some problems with Mir, but overall I loved both DLCs, and especially Gale and Frida. I, I love both immensely. A bit more Frida, but then again, um, I played Frida in uh, NG and uh, uh, Gale in NG+. So yeah, I mean, I kind of made a joke out of Gale, like using a rotten glue dagger with a toxic mist and a irritable rapier. Just to say, I can beat you. Well, thrice and I beat him, but... <laughs> <laughs> but it was really nice. Uh, I appreciate him a lot more than uh, pretty much most bosses in the game. What is it about uh, about those that you seem to like? Is it just the, the mechanical stuff? Or... Like, is it the, the mechanical bosses? fight? Or is it just the... Uh, like what? What about it? About those fights make you make you ha- have the most fun? Mm, I think the fact that I mean both mechanically and not so much aesthetically as much as with uh, the sound. Uh, I don't remember the the rest, the, the soundtrack of uh, Gale really well, but I know the soundtrack of uh, of uh, Frida is gorgeous. I mean, I love to hear it uh, everyone everyone uh, once in a while, like the one of Vort. Uh, but regarding mechanics, I just love uh, playing against an enemy in which I can do pretty much anything. I mean, yeah, I couldn't parry Gale, but uh, yeah, at least I could be free. Yeah? And just being able to do anything I want while, while the enemy is so damn strong anyway, it, it really shows, uh, it, it really puts you in a situation where you have to do everything that you can do at your best to win. And I really loved it. Aside from the fact that I just prefer humanoid fights, and especially when they're really fast. In fact, in Bloodborne, my, some of my favorites are Shadows of Yarnam, Logarius, uh, uh, German, and Maria, for example. It's just better in my taste. Yeah, I like I liked the, uh, the kind of one-on-one hunter fights in, in Bloodborne quite a bit. Uh, Orphan of Cause, I think, fits in there real well. I really like Orphan of Cause as well. Yeah. It's one of, my, one of my favorite fights across all also, the Also games. one of my favorites, too. Yeah, I mean it's that fight in the the that that fight I think is one of the very few that does multiple phases correctly. Like I think that mm-hmm. th- that second phase where th- he becomes so much more aggressive and so much s- starts screaming at you even louder and the music kind of picks up to to a degree. It just yeah. it raises the intensity on all levels and it's just, it's, it's great. great. I mean, <laughs> the only other the only other boss that does uh, a, a second phase as well, even if they need a cutscene, I think is a. Uh, uh, Ludwig, even though I don't really like him, I, I think some of his attacks are a bit uh, uh, kind of unfair. Not really badly, because if we if we take for example Lawrence, which I had the displeasure of fighting uh, in NG Plus the other day with a friend. I mean, God. have you seen the the attacks he does, uh, especially during the second, the, well, third phase? Uh, like sometimes he will you will be behind him. I mean, like you, you see him attacking, you go behind him. And we'll do a, a 180 degrees turn to attack you. Yeah. In half a second. It's just why? <laughs> why? 
Come on. Why did you put this in the game? Yeah, yeah there's a, you know, a, a lot of Dark Souls 1 and a lot of Dark Souls 2 strategy around bosses was always, you know, get behind it and stab it in the butt. And then, uh, you know, Bloodborne sort of addressed that by having these, like, huge kind of unwieldy monster fights. And then Dark Souls 3 specifically yeah. made enemies that, you know, like the Lothric Knights, as soon as you try to backstab them, uh, that, you know, they'll shield bash you over their shoulder. Yeah, is, and that, and that one is done well. Yeah, yeah. That, that one is done well. That one's, but that, Lawrence is just ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. The 180 turns, and like, because I've seen a lot of that where they just look like they're on a turntable, right? Like, and they just, just, <laughs> just are rotating around on this floor. And it, it doesn't doesn't look very aesthetically pleasing, and it kind of looks... It just looks, yeah, sometimes it just feels bad. But I, I guess, you know, they're trying to make the game as hard as possible for some reason. Yeah, but maybe in other ways. <laughs> <laughs> do you get into uh, uh, challenge runs at all? Like, do you do soul level one runs or blood level four um, runs or whatever? I kind of do my own challenge runs, uh, like ones that I didn't see other people do. For example, in DS3, last time I played it on PS4, I did a bow only run. I mean, it's not just one bow. I used every bow but yeah uh it went pretty well it's also the only the first time i played the uh, ds3 on uh i mean ds3 with terry and it works even in pvp really i mean it gets in some really intense fights and it's just fun yeah. it's not even the, uh, as hard as you'd expect except on some enemies like uh, for example aldrich aldrich is really hard because against him you can't really aim properly because if you use the lock on the arrow will get behind him usually as he constantly moves so you either have to use a free aim or uh, just have really precise with your timing gotcha because he breaks the lock on all the time yeah that makes sense no, it's not even about the breaking the lock on it's just if it, like if you cock the arrow and uh, in when you cock the arrow the um, the direction in which it will hit will be behind where he moved. It, it's a bit of you. You have to do it uh, uh, yourself to understand. Okay. The lock on lies is what I'm hearing. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. Yeah. I wish. Um, I don't know if you've played Shadow of the Colossus at all, uh, but Shadow. No, Sh- I, I really should have done it, but but I still didn't come around to play. Yeah. Um. There's there's a mechanic in Shadow Colossus where you can lock on to one of the colossi. And then, uh, but you can then use the the right stick to kind of aim down. So like it locks on to pretty much always their like their face is what you'll you'll look at. But then you can just kind of aim down from that lock on, which is useful for like hitting stuff when the fly and everything, because you can you know you can zoom in and lock onto them. But then you actually have mm-hmm. you know precision aiming after that. I kind of wish Dark Souls did something like that, although that might be too much for the control scheme to handle. Yeah, I mean, to be honest, I, I didn't really understand the the concept. So yeah, I can see a bit complex. But I think I am kind of understood how it works. But yeah, it probably there's probably better ways to do lock on and free aiming in Dark Souls, honestly. So I mean, as long as it works, which yeah, kind of yeah. happens most times, but not every time. Yeah. So do you do you find yourself uh, like when you started playing Dark Souls Three and Bloodborne? You mentioned both times you played with friends. Like, is that something that mm-hmm. you you kind of gravitate towards? Like, can you? Playing these games more so with friends than trying to try to solo everything. Yeah, uh, actually, in fact, uh, I play so much with friends that I started to get this opinion about the game that is quite critically different from the from most people out there. See, um, solo games, unless you play them specifically to get a challenge. Uh, if you play them first time without without that mindset, you will tend to feel really 
offset by the difficulty because I mean let's start with saying that first uh, Souls game most times aren't unfair and thus are quite easy if you know how to play however that's the thing if you know how to play if a new player came into the game without expecting a challenge or maybe expecting the challenge but not wanting it and they faced uh, well uh, let's say Yarnam and went against all these enemies they will want to well just stop playing and abandon it which is why I think the first Souls game you have to play you have to play not entirely just for the most part by no, not by yourself but with a friend so, uh, one, one that, was, that already knows how to play so you can understand some things that you may not be able to understand for example let's say can you parry Gascoigne in the transformed uh, form? One doesn't know, and if an, in the new player will not even try usually, because I mean, you can't parry him, no, and instead you can, I think. I should try later, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> well, th for these things, because um, well, you need to learn how to play the game to appreciate it if you don't look for a real challenge, you know. Sure. So, in my opinion. Dark Souls games and similar shall be played the first time almost entirely with friends, and then uh, the ones later, the first time blindly and uh, alone. Gotcha. For example, uh, the way I play usually with friends is um, when we're playing with Bloodborne, is um, uh, they go in the, into our world with me, and they will, they will help me uh, fight through the world. But then, they will have to, to do their own world by themselves. This way they will, they will learn and also have the experience of the, the experience of doing it alone. I uh, I'm I'm curious as somebody who's who's obviously spent a lot of time playing these games and uh, mm -hmm. whether it's with friends or solo. Do you feel like that the Souls games has has changed like the way that you approach games or the way that you think about games or has it changed you as a as a player of, of video games at all? Mm, I mean, I guess regarding some genres of games, a little bit, not too much, just just enough to say. If something doesn't work, try something else. Usually, that, that's how I learned down to play in uh, Bloodborne after all. Because I knew that, I, I learned that uh, just hitting the enemy and doing backstabs wasn't enough. And so I said, let me try something new. Parry. And it worked. So I'm doing that with other games as well. Uh, I can't really think of an example right now, but I know I'm doing it. So that much, and I know that it changed in me. But not that much. I mean... I think it will uh, do more against uh, for people that play with a different mind. Uh, before coming to in the um, in the Dark Souls series and uh, other games, I already played with a um, more, more thoughtful uh, uh, mindset. But however, I see many players playing uh, mostly just to not think anymore, just to play mindlessly. Uh, I think the Bloodborne and Dark Souls saga will help them play more uh, thoughtfully. Nice. Uh, yeah, and we're uh, we're we're kind of in a weird spot with with from software in general. Like they've they've announced Shadows Die twice, but they haven't really announced what that is or what it looks like or really anything about it besides you know an yeah. eleven second thing. And then uh, we're close to Dark Souls One remastered coming out finally, and then uh, but we don't really know what that company is doing. Like they haven't released anything for a little while. What uh, in, in your and your kind of dreams like in your if you, if you had to pick like if you if you were able to assign from software another video game to to release here pretty quick what would uh what would it be like what would your favorite thing be you know 
It's kind of a uh, weird question. No, no, not weird. I mean, uh, a hard question to answer because I don't know much of from software aside from what I what I played. But if if they could make something from Shadows of Die Twice that is completely new, but somehow mesh what they made in Bloodborne with the setting, with the gameplay of Dark Souls Three and similar, I think I'd enjoy it quite that quite a lot more because. That will mean uh, the the setting, the the atmosphere, and everything of, of Bloodborne, with a much more varied gameplay of uh, Dark Souls, which is something that I can see myself playing basically forever. But if it were for for example something like uh, a new Tenchu, uh, I don't know. I mean, they were pretty old games. I don't know how they will be nowadays. Yeah, I remember playing Tenchu like way way back when, and uh, just not being not given enough time to like learn everything about it and just being terrible at it and thinking that it was a bad game. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, yeah, I played it once in on the PS One, uh, but I have very faded memory of it. Like, I think I played uh, the the Two. I think it was the 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 map editor or something, and uh, well, I don't re- remember much of it. But yeah, it was. Kind of clunky, and yeah, I can see it not being uh, a very good game for the standards back then. Yeah, I can, I can definitely see that. Well, Yoda, thank you very much for uh, for, for guesting on the podcast, and uh, I, I really appreciate you spending the time with me this morning or afternoon, as it probably is in, in your location. Uh, th- thank you, uh, thank you, yeah. again, thank you again very much for guesting. Uh, thank you as well for allowing me to pers- to participate, uh, and sorry again for the. <laughs> Multiple times by now, it's, I'm just not really used to talking English. So <laughs> hopefully, hopefully that wasn't too much trouble. I can I can tell you that you did amazing, and you did way better than I when I when I when I went to Italy and I tried to speak Italian. You did way better in English <laughs> than I did in Italian. I can promise you that. So you, you did absolutely fine. Uh, well, you, if you if you ever come to Italy again, uh, be sure to to tell me. I will send you to some good places. Excellent. Yes, yes. I'd, I'd love to go back. Um, it was it was one of the best trips of my life to be honest with you we spent like a probably like a week and a half two weeks over there just traveling around and doing stuff and it was great i'd love to go back um tell everybody where you can be found on the internet well you can find me on the, on the internet on uh, twitter with my my yota uh how is it yota, underscore not underscore well, I, well, I, I mean, unfortunately, unfortunately, the nickname is apparently somewhat common. So sometimes it's, it's underscore, sometimes it's directly Yota09, sometimes gotcha. with the middle bar. But usually, we on my Twitter handle, which uh, I will give you later, and as well on uh, a forum that, I don't, well, it's in Italian, so I don't think you will will, will uh, really mind sharing. And on PSN, on the handle which is Yota. Um, Middle uh, middle line zero nine. However, it's spelled with an L. It's also in uh, my Twitter uh, account. So yeah, you'll see that. Okay, cool. Yeah, I'll make and sure that's that that's all. Uh, that's all. That has all the links in the show notes. And if people want to reach out, they can. And definitely share the the forum too, because we have some Italian listeners. And I'm, I'm sure that <laughs> I've had some Italian guests on, so I'm sure that, that we can right, we can definitely nice. chat. So I mean, I don't I don't think it's really kind of your audience, but my, my forum. I mean, but I mean, sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, thanks again for guessing that. I really appreciate that. All right. Thank you, too.
As always, I've been your host, Jeremy Greer. You can find me on Twitter at JG Greer. You can find the podcast at don'tgiveupskeleton.com. That has links to merchandise in case you want to buy a t-shirt. It has links to the Patreon in case you want to support the show directly. Um, and of course, it has links to all of the old podcasts if you want to go and check those out. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Thank you, everybody, for the recent iTunes reviews. That You've said some very nice things, and I very much appreciate it. And uh, always remember, don't give up, Skeleton. And we're good. All right. That was it. You did great. Thank you, thank you very that much. Was, that was fantastic. Uh, that was... Uh, it's nice to... Do you have some, some of these? Yes,